0: Hey, welcome to the podcast. So I haven't done an episode in a while because this COVID-19 stuff threw everything into a tizzy and I had a lot of guests that were lined up, couldn't get to talk to them. I got other stuff in the works, but mostly I've been wanting to do an episode about this virus and like fact versus fiction for a while now. But there's been such a flood of information, it's been changing so rapidly that I've kind of been stuck in this state of well, like what do I even talk about? I don't know if this is gonna change the next day or not. So with that being said, I'm gonna start with the basics. I am gonna talk about just some general questions people tend to have about this. And I know it might seem like a lot of this is old news at this point. I think there's still some people that could have some value in this. And going over the basics, I can then start talking about other more advanced topics that I wanna get to. Um, So this is gonna be just pretty much what The best sources I can find have been telling about these different questions people may have. So with that, we'll uh, start off. So first question. So what is COVID-19? So COVID-19 actually stands for Coronavirus Disease 2019. That's the, I guess, official name that the World Health Organization has given it. And so it's a coronavirus. So coronaviruses are named after the crown-like spikes on the surface of their virus. Coronaviruses were first identified in humans in the mid-1960s. According to the CDC, there are currently seven known coronavirus subtypes that can infect people, ranging broadly in severity of symptoms and infectiousness. From the common strain, they call 229E, that causes the common cold. Then you have more deadly strains that cause MERS and SARS. and They all have technical numbers and letters and names. It's not uh, captivating radio. So technically, the official title of the strain causing our current pandemic is SARS-CoV-2, where SARS stands for Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome. So many of these coronaviruses are believed to have mutated, mutated from viruses infecting animals. Like a chicken may have had a virus that infects a pig, or the virus mutates into a strain that can affect humans. A good example of this was H1N1. And that, was, that was the one. Can you tell it's been a while? That was the one that was associated with the 1918 Spanish flu, and that killed about 50 million people worldwide. So if you're interested in more of this, Netflix just released a short and really informative Coronavirus Explained episode that, well, explains it really well. I'm very happy with what they did there. I thought it was good information. And a lot of that's the same thing I'm presenting here. So if you're a visual person, go check that out. It's about 25 minutes, and it's really well done. So second question, what happens if you become infected? We'll we'll start with like the more microbiology side. So viruses can't replicate on their own. They require a host cell, which when they come into contact with one, the virus will hijack that host cell and inject genetic material into it that basically turns the host cell into a virus factory. So the virus is spread through droplets that are released into the air when an infected person coughs or sneezes. The droplets don't often travel more than a few feet, but according to the World Health Organization, the virus can survive for up to 72 hours on plastic and stainless steel surfaces, about less than four hours on copper, and less than 24 hours on cardboard. Now, from what I've heard from different doctors and researchers, uh, those are pretty conservative estimates. Um, The virus might and probably doesn't live that long on regular surfaces, but it's good to be a little more conservative with this. Um, Even if virus can be detected on these surfaces, hours and hours past it, doesn't necessarily mean there's enough of the virus to cause an infection in a person. But with this kind of thing, it's way safer to use the widest margins for safety available. Um, And the good side here, too, is most of your regular household cleaners are effective at eliminating this coronavirus. I saw some conspiracy theorists posting um the side of like a Lysol can saying oh effective against coronavirus and thinking this whole thing is a big government conspiracy it's been around for a long time no coronavirus is a family of viruses this is a novel coronavirus which means it's new it's new on the scene at least we haven't had infected people before and it is effective against it. it's in the coronavirus family so your Lysol is effective and it's not part of the Illuminati conspiracy yet i do want to talk about some of the biolab stuff later but that'll be a different episode So uh, back to the virus, so it has an incubation period of about 14 days, which means that if you become infected with it, you may not have any symptoms for about two weeks. The downside is that during that time, you could be spreading the virus and not even know you have it. So the sneaky transmission is a huge part of why it's so infectious and why comparing this coronavirus to SARS and MERS or even the flu isn't really an apt comparison. You, both of those strains cause symptoms pretty quickly so those who are infected knew to quarantine and seek medical treatment pretty fast and i believe with sars and mers you weren't infectious unless you're exhibiting symptoms or you, you exhibit the symptoms really quickly so either way you're probably getting medical care by the time you start spreading it so speaking of the symptoms what are the ones for this coronavirus so the virus itself isn't what causes the symptoms it's your body's immune system responding to the foreign invader So the initial and milder forms of this immune response manifest as cough, fever, shortness of breath, muscle aches, sore throat, unexplained loss of taste or smell, diarrhea, and headache. And since this virus seems to target the respiratory system, um, I wrote notes and I keep losing my spot and I apologize. Reading and talking at the same time, I'm not good at this. So since the virus seems to target the respiratory system, that's where most of your problems tend to arise. With a lot of the fatalities being due to pneumonia and exacerbating previous medical conditions that on their own aren't fatal but with the added burden of fighting an infection causes excess strain in the body that can push it over the limit. I not know a lot of the stuff you've probably heard a lot, I sound like a broken record, parroting stuff you've been hearing constantly, but it's important information and repetition is the key to learning. So if you find yourself suffering from any of these symptoms or think you may have been exposed to someone who had COVID-19 stay home call a healthcare provider. Unless you're having emergency medical conditions, like shortness of breath, uh, nausea, bad chest pain, anything that you th- you can usually tell when you're having some bad conditions, then just call 911. If you're in doubt, just call 911, better to be safe. But if you're having some sniffing nose, some coughing, or you lose a sense of smell, and that's pretty much it, call your local healthcare provider. And then um, they can, and your local healthcare provider could be the local health department, your primary care physician if you have one, or even just a local hospital. So there you call them, then they'll ask you some questions about your symptoms, your possible exposure to an infected person, and then they'll start to see how at risk you may be or how severe things may uh, may have gotten. So with this information, a plan will be created that will cater to your specific needs and risk. You may be told to self-quarantine at home or to go get tested. And there's a variety of places you can get tested based on your location and your symptom severity. The local health department, like I said, is a great resource for this information. And um, Johns Hopkins actually has an interactive self-checker on their website that can help you find information on your own about this as well. So now, how deadly is COVID-19? Well, back to Johns Hopkins again, they have a fantastic real-time data map of coronavirus statistics showing as of this recording, which is April 29th, a total of 3.1 million confirmed cases globally, with a little over 1 million in the United States. Total deaths at this time are about 219,000. So side note, I've seen reports that some patient deaths due to other illnesses or diseases who also happen to have COVID-19 are being reported as COVID-caused mortality. So it's possible that the death toll numbers are inflated, but the case can also be made that many of those patients may have not died if they weren't infected too. So at this point, I don't really see any reason to not assume the data presented by Johns Hopkins is as reliable and factual as possible. Um, As for the case fatality rates, the percentage of people who become infected with this coronavirus and die, I've seen estimates ranging from 3.5% to as low as 1 to 1.5% so with the flood of data being collected as testing ramps up across the world it seems like the data is constantly evolving but at this time my best estimate based on the best information i can find from sources like johns hopkins mayo clinic the cdc and the world health organization it looks like this virus is definitely more infectious and deadly than the seasonal flu but not as bad as sars and mers that like we were talking about before so the most at risk here are again the elderly those with compromised or weakened immune systems, and anyone with an underlying mental conditions such as asthma, diabetes, kidney problems, heart conditions, lung problems. And this is not a definitive list. Like if you think you might be part of the at risk population, contact your healthcare provider or call your local health department. Um, I'm in Florida. So Florida's Department of Health COVID-19 information dashboard can be found at floridahealthcovid19.gov. So if you think you have it and you do need to get tested, How do we get tested for it? Well, it's really tough to diagnose COVID-19 without a lab test, because the physical signs and symptoms are common for almost everything. Cough, sore throat, fever. It could be common cold, or it could be all kinds of stuff. So the lab test is really needed. Uh, if your medical provider does order a test, then there's a big, long, basically it's a giant ear swab, and it goes in your mouth and then goes in your nose, deep in your nose. It's the same kind of thing we use for flu tests. If you ever had the flu test done, then you know, the swab is super uncomfortable. They, uh, they really get in there. Um, so test result times vary so some come back very quickly sometimes you're waiting for a while it very much depends on where you're at where you're being tested what the volume is I know testing was really terrible uh, at the beginning of all of this and it's definitely gotten a lot better now so I'm not gonna give any windows or time frames because I don't know who would be listening to this or where you may be or what conditions may change when you do get around to listening to this so Um, If you test positive, you can most likely manage the virus at home, but like I said, unless you're already high-risk or exhibiting serious symptoms You definitely need to do this with your healthcare provider And if you do get a positive test, you will have instructions on what to do from here catered to your individual needs Um, Let's see So if your symptoms aren't severe and it's unlikely you were exposed to someone who is infected Then you might not be directed to even get tested yet. The shortage of tests isn't as bad as it was initially, but as we're learning now, all of our healthcare resources are finite, and depending on availability in your area, tests may be rationed for those who are more likely to have a severe infection. So, how do you treat it? So, most viruses, especially this one, are dealt with by treating symptoms as we can, like reducing fever and supportive care, like oxygen therapy or ventilators if your uh, drive to breathe starts to fail. There is no vaccine, but I did see the UK began trials on one last week. And again, today's April 29th, so things can change really rapidly here. And uh, experts in the U.S. tend to say they're projecting a year to 18 months, maybe even two years for uh, for a vaccine being viable here in the U.S. and widespread. So how do you protect yourself from, being, from becoming infected? Well, here's the broken record again with all the keywords everybody loves right now. Hand-washing. Respiratory etiquette, which means coughing into your sleeve and saying it and not spraying it social distancing, and other common but absolutely essential basic hygiene tips. When I first started EMT school, I had to wear medical gloves for everything. That's when I realized how much I, I touch my face without even realizing it. And now it's time for everyone else to learn that too. So masks, masks have been a somewhat controversial topic during this. The CDC initially, and even the Surgeon General, tweeted that masks don't help and you should save them for healthcare providers but then now it's a complete 180 and now all the experts are saying we should basically cover our faces with anything that we can so i've had some friends reach out to me to ask about wearing masks and gloves when out and about so i'm gonna share what i told them with all of you too so wearing a mask unless it's in like an n95 or a particulate filter mask it doesn't protect you from getting the virus the mask protects others from getting it from you It makes you mindful of not touching your face, and it serves as a visual reminder that our circumstances have changed and we're adapting to them to protect ourselves and everyone around us. So if you want to wear a surgical mask, a homemade mask, or even a bandana, go for it. Dispose of it if it's disposable or wash it thoroughly afterwards, but it's not going to hurt and it probably will help slow the spread of this because like I said it's not protecting you from getting it from someone else it's protecting others from getting it from you and with that two-week incubation period where you may be asymptomatic or where you may just have mild symptoms and not even realize you're experiencing anything at all it's super easy to spread this so if you wear a mask then you're protecting everyone else in the off chance you do in fact have this um as for the gloves I don't this is, this is my personal recommendation. I don't speak for anyone. I'm not reading off a website right now. This is just me, Justin Tyndall, as with 10 years in healthcare and EMS. My personal recommendation is I, I don't recommend them for the general public for uh, shopping or like everyday activities. I mean, I, I spent, like I said, 10 years as a paramedic wearing medical gloves, and nothing shows you how things spread from surface to surface, like having blood in your gloves and then trying to do anything like in healthcare we change our gloves and personal protective equipment every time we touch a patient or do anything else after touching someone so the gloves become contaminated when you touch them so we dispose of them and immediately after we we toss the gloves we wash our hands so not only are we wearing the gloves to protect the hands in the first place we wash our hands immediately afterwards too on the off chance that anything may have gotten through or got contaminated some some other way so What I see, um, like wearing gloves to the supermarket and then touching a can of beans and putting it back, it doesn't really protect anything but you. And if you're wearing the gloves throughout the entire place, you're probably spreading stuff around a lot more than if you just sanitize your hands between activities. Like unless you're going to bring an entire box of gloves to Publix and change them after every item you touch, you really aren't any safer than just using your bare hands. Like skin is a phenomenal barrier against all the nasty stuff out there. Just make sure you don't have any cuts, on your hands or any openings, and if you're using alcohol-based sanitizer a lot, make sure you use moisturizer too, because your hands will get really dry, the skin will get dry and cracked, and then that kind of defeats the whole purpose in the first place. So definitely, sanitizer, moisturizer, and quit touching your dirty faces so much. Um, so really, that's that's. There's so much information here, and it was so tough for me to just get down to just the small amount of info I gave out right now. So here's where I want to open up some of you guys too. So there's a lot of conflicting information going on. Everyone's yelling about, should we do this? Should we do that? And I definitely wanted to avoid politics some on this podcast, but now that it's it's reaching over into my area of expertise, being healthcare, I think it's conversations that we can definitely have, especially when it comes to reopening and a responsible way to do it. Those, though, are conversations for another episode. For now, I just wanted to put some basic information out there and give you guys some resources for where you can find information too. Because, like I said, my background is healthcare, but almost all the information I'm giving you guys now is very publicly available. So, like I said, I'm in Florida, and uh, Florida Department of Health has a great, a great website with information on it right now. Go to floridahealthcovid19.gov. You can start there. As for everyone else, we've also got the World Health Organization as far as it goes for like their their, their tips and stuff about. Like information regarding the virus the objective stuff like that they're a good resource there was some sketchiness involving someone with the world health organization and not acknowledging uh taiwan we'll talk about that later on too but as far as this factual information the q and a on coronaviruses that the world health organization has is great um cdc they're a good resource there as well um johns hopkins fantastic mayo clinic There's a lot of good information out there. And a lot of these guys are saying the same thing. That's how you you can kind of tell. If you look at all these different sources and they're all telling you pretty much the same information, it's probably a decently safe bet that they're going to be right. And with the virology and the science behind all of this, it is evolving rapidly, but there are some things we definitely know are factual. That's ways to slow the curve, ways to prevent contamination, infection. Stuff like that doesn't necessarily change. And if it does, not very much. So... Um, if anyone has any questions or there's topics that they want me to research and talk about, I'm going to send you short little episodes about this. Um, please uh, hit me up with them. You can uh, hit me up on Twitter at the Tindall or on Facebook at uh, just search Tindles Razor and you'll find us. I don't want to say us, it's, it's just me and the voices in my head. But anyway, thank you guys for listening so much. I hope you got some good information out of this and hopefully I'll hear you soon. Bye.